The minute that you get labeled a conspiracy theorist, pretty much everything that you have to say ceases to be taken seriously. The red pill is just about kind of shaking up your perception of the way that things really And on the understanding that what you've been told your entire life is a consciously constructed lie. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. The idea of Project Bluebeam is that NASA, with the help of the United Nations, was attempting to implement a new age religion with the Antichrist at its head and start a new world order via technology simulating the second coming of Christ. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Hawkeye Media presents Conspiracy Pill with PJ and Abby. And that's the thing about conspiracy theories is like it's sometimes they're not going to be true. And it's okay. There's literally nothing wrong with asking the questions and pulling on the threads and doing the research. It is what it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another conspiracy-pilled revelation study. How's it going, Abby? How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. John, I was just thinking. <laughs> I was just thinking. I'm like, I'm waiting for her to just shut my camera off, <laughs> like instantly at the beginning of this stream, because I'm seeing what she's writing in chat, and I don't like it. Shout out to Ivan Adams, by the way, for the super chat already. We haven't even got started. Thank you, Ivan. Appreciate you guys. I'm so glad we can be back doing this. We were going to do this uh, weeks ago, and it's been things have happened. So yeah. last last Thanks. week at exactly seven o'clock when we were going to do this, I was uh, I was under the knife. So <laughs> exactly at seven. So not an easy way to do a stream. I could have, but I don't think the doctors would have appreciated it. So yeah, because we're Christians. That's why that's what it, that's it's discrimination. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, so last time I started, uh, we did a prayer. I think I prayed last time. So would you like to lead us in prayer before we get started on this one, Abby? Okay. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day and for this chance and that PJ is healing and uh, for your word and for the things we're going to find out, figure out, and please lead us into understanding. In your name, amen. Amen. So yeah, appreciate you guys all being here. And if you guys missed the last time or confused on what this is, uh, we are reading through the book of Revelation over the uh, course of a few different streams. Revelation... uh, I should just pull it up because I'm bad at memorizing exact things. But Revelation chapter one, verse three says that you are blessed for reading, uh, for just reading the word out loud of Revelation. We thought that we would try to do that and try to have a conversation, understand it. So it's not exactly a sermon or anything like that. We're not telling you everything that it means and unveiling all of the the great mysteries of Revelation. But we're trying to understand ourselves and start those conversations. And and hopefully that uh, is good for us and good for the people watching so uh, pray for us. We appreciate you guys being in chat and letting us know your thoughts. I actually turn the chat overlay on over here so we can see a little bit easier what's going on for people on Rumble and Odyssey. Appreciate you guys as well. Um, but yeah, I think we we read through Revelations chapters one through three last time. We got through the seven churches and we stopped at Revelation chapter four, which we're going to pick up today. So do you have anything yeah. to say before we got going, Abby? I don't mean to talk the whole time. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think I, we just want to be really open-minded, not trying to read 
it with any kind of preconceived ideas, not trying to shove it into something or make it fit a tradition or a narrative we've been told, but just kind of, I don't know, that benefit of the first time reading. Because I think that God is not a God of confusion. So if Revelation hasn't made sense in the past, it's because it hasn't been for that time period. And now that we're beginning to think maybe it's for this time period, I think it's going to start to make more sense as long as we're not letting narratives from generations that didn't understand that we're trying to force some sort of right cohesive yeah. thing out of it. To- yeah, I also want to say it is right here in front of me. Revelations chapter 1, verse 3 said, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. And and also to what Abby was saying, we uh, had a discussion about things. We were actually going to do this whole thing where we'd bring on different guests with different perspectives and all that stuff. And it's still something that we're interested in having that conversation. But we both felt like on our first time that we're reading through, we want to do it just the two of us, just with the chat, just with you guys in the, the audience listening and, and chatting in. And then because I, I think Abby's right. Everybody's got all these different ideas. If Is it amillennial? Is it pre-trib? Is it post-trib? Is it mid-trib? Is it uh, you know stuff about Nero? There's all kinds of thoughts and ideas in there. We don't want to like have every week be a different point of view being pushed. We want to kind of get through this together with you guys. And then we'd love to have the people on. We've had a lot of really good people, really knowledgeable that want to come on and talk to us about this. Uh, So the door is open to those people. But I think before we get to that, we just want to do exactly what it says in Revelation chapter one, verse three, and just read through and you and we can read and you guys can hear and we can talk about it. And I think that's just where we're going to continue our conversation. So yeah, it's not that we don't want to hear your opinion. It's that it's really great that we don't have opinions right now. I think perfect. I think that's the thing because I know some people like like I've had a few people get a little mad at me because they're like, why don't you believe this thing? And I'm like, well, it's okay that I don't know exactly (laughs) what I think of it yet. I I really, truly want to understand my goal. in this is not to push. I'm right and you're wrong or this is the way it definitely is. My goal is to understand. I think that coming here with an open mind and open heart in prayer uh, with friends, I think that's the best way to try to understand this. So, yeah. All right. The only well, thing I'm sure I'm sure about right now is that there's an attitude that pre-trib can produce in you that I don't like, which is I'm just going to give up and wait for it to come. That yeah, and see, I said that this week, and some people are like, "Why don't you believe in pre-trib?" I'm like, "I'm not even saying I don't. I'm saying this mindset of let's not do anything." And I think it's worse than that too, because I've had people tell me specifically on the abortion issue, "Well, who cares about abortion?" Because I'm going to heaven. And I think that is the absolute worst possible take you can have that real human suffering and real human lives don't matter. That, you know, there was no such thing as a great commission. There was no such thing as, you know, go forth and prophesy in my name and cast out demons and heal people and all these things that, that Jesus told people to do and told us to do. Oh, well, I just wait. And I think so many people have that like terrible mentality. And I remember being a kid in the 90s. And it's like, well, he could come at any time. So what's the point? I'm like, well, it's 2023 now. So imagine what you could have done in the last 30 years if you weren't living as in, well, it's going to happen probably tomorrow. So I'm just going to not do anything. Right. Why, why even try? Yeah. I think that's a bad mindset to have. So, um, but yeah, let's, let's let's pick up at chapter four. Do you want to start reading or? Yeah, I can read. All right. Um, I got my, got my Bible right here. Chapter four. After this, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you must 
show you what must take place after this. So after this being all the letters to the churches, sounds like. Right? Because that's the context we're stepping well, into. I think I think it might be talking about the the prophecy that's coming in chapter six through twenty. So oh. really quick note that we have that I have here. Um and I just like to read these notes out of my a little study Bible, if you don't mind, once in a while. So this one says, uh, these two chapters, chapters four and five, constitute an introduction to chapters six through 20. In the throne room in the throne room of heaven, the lamb assumes the responsibility of initiating the great final conflict with the forces of evil, the end of which will see the lamb triumphant and the devil consigned to the lake of fire. So uh, read, read that verse again. I want to hear that one more time. After this, I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven, And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Okay. And in mind, the come up here is in red. Yeah. Same. Okay. Yeah. At once I was in the spirit and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. God is gay confirmed. (laughs) Wow. Starting off with blasphemy. (laughs) I hate that rainbows are ruined. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm the worst. This is why I'm not allowed to lead Bible studies. Uh, A rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. What are the seven spirits of God? Yeah, I've I've heard that before. I'm trying to remember them. Uh, it's I if I'm if I get the, if I have this correct, the seven spirits of God is like the seven. You know how there's like the seven deadly sins. It's kind of like the opposite of that. Like oh, you know what I mean. So while while we're on that, because I think it's good to ask and answer questions, I want to I want to double check that because I know it is written in the Bible what they are. So cool. I don't know if it's in my. Um, the sevenfold ministry of the spirit, including the spirit of the Lord, the spirits within and the spirits of wisdom, under wisdom, understanding, counsel, might, knowledge, and fear of the Lord are represented as the seven spirits, which are before the throne of God. So okay. <clears throat> I think there's a little picture right here. kind of represents this. Oops. Ah, sorry. It's kind of small. That's why I was trying Fire. to blow it up, but Wisdom, understanding, counsel, power, knowledge, and fear of the Lord, and then the Lord being the seventh in and of itself. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all round and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. 
And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. I feel like this chapter, like the first three are a lot <laughs> more straightforward. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. here's the first vision, and let's actually explain what the stars are. Let's explain what this is. And then we'll talk about the seven churches. We'll name the seven churches, and through a little bit of, you know, reasoning, it's pretty easy to see like what message is being given to each of these churches. This one starts off with just like a lot of things and then it's explains like one of them. So I want to kind of peel this back a little bit. What's your first thoughts on chapter four? I've heard some correlation between the four living creatures and the gospels in that um, symbolically they kind of match up with the gospels mm-hmm. um not that they are the gospels but what was it lion so like a lion an eagle, eagle. i have it right here lion uh, ox yeah. face of a man and f- the flight of an eagle or a creature like an eagle in flight so M- matthew <clears throat> um <laughs> Lit, oh, sorry. I think Jess has a picture of angels in Revelation for us. <laughs> How I grab this? It's like not letting me. It just wants me to show it here, but I can't like grab that link. Can you just like send that to me in Twitter and I'll I'll pull it up? But yeah, I was I was thinking that too. Like the the angels here while you're while you're figuring that out. Um, seraphim angels is what it's talking about here, essentially, right? You got six wings, two that cover the feet, two that cover the head, two that fly or whatever, and they have like eyes all around them. Angels are so much weirder described than like uh, a dude in a white gown with with the with the white wings. I think makes a lot of sense why they say, you know, do not be afraid because if an angel comes at you with like six wings covered in eyeballs. Probably a little freaky. Probably a little bit. Um, It's called the tetramorph. The tetramorph and. Um, the tetramorph being the the four creatures, and I guess Ezekiel talked about them too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then people say, um, "It's like this is what I was talking about with like when you look up seraphim angels, which you talk about in other parts of the Bible, like all these wings and eyeballs." Yeah. Of, you know what I mean. Very yeah, creepy, but not, but like different. So it's, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get it right because. Okay. Matthew is associated with the, the face of the man because his gospel focuses on the humanity of Jesus. And then the lion is um, Mark. Yeah. Because it emphasizes <clears throat> the, the, royalty of Jesus. And then Luke is the ox because it focuses on the sacrificial character of 
of Jesus. Um, a lot of healing um, focuses a lot on the healing, and then and then on um, the sacrifice. And then John is associated with the eagle um, because it's a symbol of um, what comes from above, I guess. John is like the the one gospel that's like really straightforward high Christology. So like, yeah. there's there's two types. There's the low Christology and high Christology. Basically to explain that like low Christology is like, <clears throat> it's not like in your face right from the beginning that he is God, right? It's like he is, it, it focuses on him being fully man. And then John focuses on him being fully God more than, more than the rest mm-hmm. in a way. Um, also, I like the, the idea of the, the lion being Peter or sorry, Mark. I call it Peter on accident sometimes because I think, I think that Peter, I think that Mark was Peter's disciple. There's a lot of evidence for that being the case that basically Mark is, you know, Peter telling it to his, his disciple. And it's kind of his, right. And it makes sense. But like also in, in Mark, it's, it's actually my favorite way to read the gospel because it always, it uses the phrase and immediately he went like, I don't remember the exact amount of times, like 60 something times. Right. Because it's like action. And if you read Mark, it's like, it's like superhero stuff. It's like comic book stuff. It's like super fast paced. And she's like, he did this and then he did this and he did this miracle. And it's like really, fast paced compared to the rest. Um, also over here on rumble, we got a super uh, rumble rant from some guy person. Sorry, I'm a tad late. Here's, uh, here's for some eggs or something while you recover from surgery. I appreciate that. Some guy, uh, some guy, some guy wants to buy me <laughs> <Some> eggs. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> really do appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm doing good. I'm doing better. Today's the first day <clears throat> that I <clears throat> stood up and didn't realize that I was in pain. And I was like, Oh, Cool. <laughs> and nice. then I of course did too much and now I'm like hurting, but you know, I don't, I, I don't, I don't take sitting down. Well, uh, <laughs> you don't I, take sitting down, sitting down. I don't take sitting down, sitting down. That's right. Um, yeah. Let me see. I want to see what some of these notes say before we move on to chapter five. So uh, it says 24 elders as well. And, and again, this is, this is an interpretation. So, but it says representative of either the whole company of believers in heaven or an exalted angelic order worshiping and serving God there. Uh, that's what a lot of people believe. The number 24 is often understood to reflect the 12 Israelite tribes, of the old Testament and the 12 apostle apostles of the new Testament. So it's interesting representation yeah. of the old and the new covenant, essentially, I guess huh. um, you also talked about the rainbow. <laughs> says Jasper Ruby Emerald, since God dwells in unapproachable light and is one whom no one can see or can who has seen or can see he's described in terms of reflected brilliance of precious stones and emerald rainbow around the throne. So basically unseeable, unknowable one way to look at it. Okay. I found out two weeks ago, I think mm-hmm. emeralds, don't always have to be green. Is that for real? I thought emerald was like, like as a color, emerald is green though, right? I found out emeralds and garnets and, and a lot of the stones that we think of as being strictly one color. That's just the popular color of that stone, but they're defined by their composition, not by their color. I did not know that. Yeah. I always assumed they were green. I saw a green garnet and I was like, what the heck? Well, I knew they weren't blue because the Greeks can't see blue. (laughs) Uh, Corey asked me if I did I take any pain meds they gave me pain meds for the first day and a half or two days 
two days essentially. And uh, I, I took them, but I hate taking them. They made me like nauseous. So I'm not a fan. Uh, don't vaccines being a truck driver must suck for not being able to sit down. You know, <laughs> I don't get it how I can do it. But yeah, you know, like with being a truck driver, I feel like I just keep my mind engaged with like books and podcasts and stuff. So it's not, it's like if I'm going to be mindlessly doing a, a task, at least I can be learning something or at least in my mind, it makes me feel like I'm being productive. Whereas like being a cashier or something, it's just like the biggest time suck ever when I used to have that job. But I don't know. Uh, you also got it right. You said Ezekiel. Here's here's that note to Ezekiel. Ezekiel in a vision also saw four living creatures, each of which had four faces: human in front, lion on the right. Yes, I was gonna say with Ezekiel, they were the faces were rounded on one on one being. Um, human in the front, lion on the right, ox on the left, and eagle behind. In John's version, the creatures were in the form of a lion, an ox, flying eagle, and one had the face of like that of a man. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Did you have any? I mean, we don't have to stick on chapter four for a while. Just trying to make sure I like was taking in all of this symbolism because it's it's easy to get lost in it. I think it's also easy to like see these scenes of the throne room because I think there's a scene in in Isaiah as well. (laughs) Yeah. Where, I mean, these are persons, right? Right. it, It sounds so inhuman, these creatures that are around God, but they're. I'm sure far more intelligent than us. And they've obviously been around for thousands of years. Yeah. This is actually why chapter four is interesting to me. Cause like on the whole chapter four seems like this is setting the scene. This is you coming before the throne, you know, John coming before the throne of God and explaining what he sees there. And so, you know, it, that's interesting in of itself, but I feel like what gets lost so much is again, talking about 2000 years of like tradition and ideas and things that have been pushed on us is just like, this is what angels are. Angels are just pretty people that are kind of androgynous with wings. And that's like, it it actually dulls heaven. If you think about like how you see heaven in a movie, it's like white clouds, emptiness, nothingness, boring. I'm sorry, but it's boring. Like, have you ever had that idea as a kid? Like, man, I don't really want to go to heaven. It seems so boring in the movies. Like they just, they do nothing. It's just white clouds and pretty people. And it's like, I feel like that's such a misrepresentation because nobody knows how to like, show the splendor and glory of God. And unfortunately, if you think of movies like Thor, where they go to these worlds where their gods live, right? They're beautiful and vast and there's things to do. And it's like, I wish we were better as Christians at representing our afterlife in the way that the Norse mythology is. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's kind of sad because like in the Bible, the descriptions of God and heaven and angels are so much more fascinating and magnificent, and glorious than Hollywood kind of just like makes it like you know, floating around a white cloud waiting for the end of n- nothing forever. It sounds lame. You know what I mean? So yeah, I do appreciate this stuff. And I want to study the different types of angels a lot more and like understand like the cherubim, the seraphim, the all of these things. Cause I think there's some interesting stuff there, but right. I think there's also this concept that work is bad, Adam was right. working the garden before the before the fall, which implies that it, heaven is not going to be a a workless place, a place with like nothing but mind numbing entertainment forever. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Like, it does talk about like you know having treasures in heaven, giving being given roles and tasks and things like that. And instead, and I think I think uh, Jess has it right here. That's how pe- they make. 
That's like how people make God out to be some old guy in the sky and it's not even a little bit true. Cody says they don't want you in heaven. That's why I think that's exactly what it is. They just want it to seem boring and they want everything that they do to seem so much more interesting. And I don't think that if you look at like medieval Christian art, like it's boring the way that it's represented today. It's kind of sad. Corey, I want to talk about this comment because it's so fascinating to me. I don't believe in flat earth, but I, I, I <clears throat> see what you're saying. Um, I'd love to see you elaborate more on it um, in further comments, but this concept of the idea of the world just being this this globe hanging in space kind of does make us feel really alone as if this is not a place where God would come walk with us. Is that the idea? That it's, that it's easier to kind of picture that on a flat surface? Yeah. Or am I reading you completely wrong? I could be reading you wrong, but I, I like the th- I like the thought quite a bit. Even if even if I don't agree with you, I, I think that that's really fascinating. So. I also like what Jess wrote here. God worked to create the universe. We were made to work. Yes, we were made to work six days out of seven. And instead, you know, we barely work four or five most of the time. And, you know, we think that heaven's going to be no work and just lying around. I just I don't see I don't see it that way. I don't think life is fulfilling without without work. No, it's it's not. Um before Tim Keller went bad, he wrote a really good book about work called Every Good Endeavor. And that's when I thought he was the C.S. Lewis of our time. But I think he was I think he was right. He made a really good defense for work. I think we just we are currently living in one of God's big projects. <laughs> and we don't know what his next thing is going to be once this wraps up. So and it's not. He, he hasn't told us, so yeah. <laughs> we're just imagine there's not, nothing to do, but I imagine that he will include us in his next thing. Um, I also just want to make sure that I'm not ignoring Odyssey and Rumble, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> Blankets asks, uh, what will Wednesday's live stream about be about? I want to be prepared with memes and gifts. I, dude, I'm just going to tell you right now. It's the, I'm not <laughs> I'm not saying this just to like hype up a stream. It is my most unhinged episode I've put together yet. I guarantee that. So I don't know how to tell you what it's about without. I mean, I, I maybe I could tell you guys a name. I don't know. We'll see. But it's it's going to go all over the place. So I don't even think if I told you it would like prepare you is what I'm saying. <laughs> Abby's heard me ranting about it for days. Am I am I wrong? <laughs> no, I've it's been it's been every day on the phone for an hour. I think. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> when we say, and this is not a joke, when we say we would be talking about this stuff even if we weren't streaming it, we literally do all the time. So <laughs> it's pretty nuts. It's going to involve. We're going to go. We're going to. We're going to be diving into the Bible on Wednesday. That's for sure. Into the Old Testament. There's going to be some Genesis stuff there. Uh, there's going to be aliens. There's going to be werewolves. There's going to be vampires. There's going to be Nephilim. I could literally tell you all that. You won't know what it's about. It's so crazy. <laughs> um, but it's a lot of stuff. Is my point. It's going to be. It's going to be an interesting thread to make. Um, also, uh, Mark 13, 23 says, I heard a preacher say that the words uh, seraphim and serpent are connected. I have not heard that. I have no idea about that. Sound. I don't know. It sounds wrong, but (laughs) that's just, I don't know. Seraphim and serpent. Yeah. I don't know. I thought seraphim was. I think those are two different languages. Yeah. Um, seraph. Hang on. Now I need to know. Yeah. Now I'm Origin language. It's it's gonna be Hebrew, I think. Oh no, it's Latin. Okay. Oh, from biblical. 
from Latin seraphim, from biblical he- Hebrew Sarah seraphim. Okay, so it, it it's it, basically it was Hebrew completely transliterated into Latin, um, and the meaning's uncertain. Perhaps related to the root, the Hebrew word uh, "root to burn," but it's too far away to be sure if that that root is connected. Mm-hmm. And serpent, wait, uh, spell it right, Abby. I love philology. Yeah. While you're looking that up, some uh, some guy person says. Uh, a big thing when it comes to maps and globes is that the Western countries portray themselves as much bigger than they are and shrink other countries like South America and Africa. I did find out that that is true to some degree on certain globes, and I find it weird. Like, mm-hmm. I'm still not a flat earther, guys, but I'm telling you, I think I think we're being lied to about certain things. I just don't know what they are. <laughs> like, that's and my why. Point. And yeah. It, yeah, what they are and why. And the biggest reason that I like the, the not the biggest reason, but I'll say this. Like when people tell me it's a NASA lie, I'm like, well, it's it's a three thousand year old lie that was figured out by people who are just looking at the sky and doing math. So like, it's hard for me to believe the Earth isn't a globe for million, you know, lots of reasons. But um, when people point things out to me, like NASA makes up, you know, these things, they Photoshop things. I'm like, yes, they do. They are lying about things. I just don't know what and why. Like that's the thing I'm trying to figure out. I, I think that flat Earth is kind of a psyop, though. To be honest, um, that's my opinion. Yeah, I mean, NASA was was investigating the ocean, and then they decided that they wanted to get off the planet. So I do think that they're hiding <laughs> something. Yeah, yeah, I think so. We gotta do. We gotta dive dive more into ocean <laughs> uh, stuff uh, at some uh, point. Unintended. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right. Well, we can. I deserved. I deserved that. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's let's go on to chapter five, and then we'll okay. keep we'll keep okay. uh, yeah, asking questions. <laughs> so um, chapter four, throne room of God. Mm-hmm. We've got the angels, seraphim, the possible tribes of of Judah, with the twelve apostles representing, you know, the elders of the of the religion. And now we've got the scroll and the lamb. <clears throat> then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within. And on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads 
and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. I mean, I think that one's also pretty straightforward, but I could be wrong. Like, I know there's a lot that people get out of chapters four and five, and I'm just trying to make sure I'm not missing anything big. But this seems like, to me, just without even reading the context, which we'll get into, is like, this is the lamb, you know, Jesus Christ, slain, risen again. Now he's able to open the the scroll and the seven seals, which are, you know, talked about throughout the next 14 Mm -hmm. chapters, essentially, right? Like, what are the seven seals? What are the what are the secrets of the end times of of revelation uh, that are coming? Um, and it's the judgment, right? Like he's not even worthy to begin the judgment <clears throat> until he has conquered like this, right? Yeah, conquered the it's grave, right? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so let me see. Um, just want to make sure I'm. If there's anything we want to look at in here. There's like this whole thing about like how ancient scrolls were like, there's a lot of like little things in here that have like a, a shovel next to them. It's like, here's his, some historical context. Sometimes it's really cool. Like if you don't understand like what a threshing floor is, you know what I mean? Or like for yeah. me, like the parable of the wineskins gets lost because people don't understand what a wineskin is yeah. and why, you know, why that works. So like uh, this one, I don't know if it's super interesting. I'll just read it, I guess it says <clears throat> um, the little scroll uh, had would have writing on both sides like stone tablets of the Old Testament covenant law. Uh, the fibers of a papyrus scroll run horizontally on the inside, which makes writing easier than on the reverse side where the fibers were vertical. Sealed with seven seals indicating absolute involatability. So I don't know if that's that interesting. Um, what are your thoughts while I'm, while I'm looking at some of these things? It's it's interesting how, like, I think sometimes dream dream logic, dream rules work here where mm-hmm. you see something and you just automatically know what it means. But it, it it's interesting how John is, like, crying because no one can open the scroll. I'm like, dude, it's a scroll. Calm down. You don't even know what's in it. But... <laughs> But isn't that worse? Like it just just the not knowing, you know what I mean? I like guess. it's obviously it's obviously really important. I think that's what John's yeah. getting at here is like this is the most important thing. And if we can't find out what it is, like it's devastating. Hmm. Yeah, it The rules of heaven are so interesting. The rules that God limits himself by cuz he's all powerful, right? He can do right. whatever he wants. But he's put certain things in place like he can't violate his own personhood and his own personhood is so vast that there are some rules he just has to follow. Mm-hmm. Which is just fascinating to me. So he wouldn't even let himself complete the story until he had conquered. Yeah, I was I'm curious here about the because it's obvious lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb who was slain. Like we get, mm-hmm. we get those references. The the part that I was like seven horns and seven eyes. Uh. So um, right here, it says uh, seven horns. The horn is an ancient Jewish symbol for power or strength. Uh, the fourth beast 
had 10 horns. Seven horns would symbolize full strength, seven spirits of God. So the strength with the seven spirits of God. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense when you look at it that way. And I think that's important, too, to understand. Like, some of these symbols are not entirely um, just like, what the heck is what the heck is this? Like, to its audience, horns would have a significant meaning. Yeah. Um, what else? I don't see what it says about the eyes, though. That's what I'm curious about. Well, the eyes with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits? Oh, it does say the seven eyes of the seven yeah. spirits. So the seven horns, the seven being the perfect number, perfect in strength mm-hmm. with the seven spirits of God. Okay, so that makes sense. And I love that they're sent out into all the earth. So like those seven spirits are all like what? Wisdom, understanding, all that stuff is available yeah, I'm just going to pull us. it up again. <laughs> <laughs> While we're, Yeah. I'm going to look this up because I want to make sure I have that. So because it is I'm trying to remember where it's written. There's somewhere in the Bible where it actually tells you what they are. So it's not just like speculation either. Yeah. It's so funny how many parts of the Bible link. It's not funny. It's actually really sad how many parts of the Bible link up and people just don't even realize because we read the Bible so slowly and it it's preached on so disjointedly that we don't see all these cross references and things. Yeah, I think I think that's entirely true. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like over a lifetime, let's say you go to church your whole life. Over a lifetime, have you heard the entire Bible? Most people, no. So if you're really taking, you know, like I'm 32, if I took, you know, I had never read the Bible, which I have, but if I hadn't, I feel like, man, th- over 32 years, I'm like, I, this whole story so disjointed. It's so out of place because you're hearing a sermon for an hour about two verses once a week. And that's such a, that's such a bad way. Yeah, exactly. That's such a bad way to really understand this book. That's why I think everybody has to more than once in their life, but definitely at least once in their life, like actually go through cover to cover. And then there's other resources to go from there. I've got a chronological Bible, which is interesting. So I can read it chronologically. Um, It's going to sound silly, but I, I, I swear by this. I have a comic book Bible. I don't care how dumb that sounds. It's so important. It's so helpful to just look through and see the stories with the pictures and things like that. Just the more times you can go through it as it is written as a story from a beginning to an end point uh-huh. and really grasp things in different ways. Like I don't wouldn't make fun. There's another resource that's going to sound even dumber. There's this book called um, it's called like God is mad at you or something like that. Have you ever heard of this book? It's a satirical book. And the guy's the guy who wrote it's not really a Christian, but I think it's interesting because it is a satirical take on the Bible from beginning to end. And as dumb as that sounds, it actually helps make sense of things somewhat. And he said he's like, look, I, I don't believe in the Bible really, but a lot of uh, he's like a, a lot of churches have used this book. So it's funny how God can use people. Huh. You know what I mean? Because yeah. um, it, it's not it's not harsh towards Christianity. It's just kind of flippant and satirical, but it also does a good job of representing the stories in order and like taking away the, the, you know, old Englishness of it and making it just like, this is what happened. Right. It's crazy how people who read it as a just historical or literary text often get more out of it than people who grew up in Sunday school because they read it closer to the way you're supposed to read it. Than the right. people who <laughs> I think that's exactly right. Because Corey's, we, oh, go ahead. 
we spend we're taught from a very young age to read five verses and make it about ourselves every time. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's not about us. It's, it's a story about other people. But that's how we were taught. If you think yeah. like, and yeah. I say we in general as in most American Christians today, we're taught take this verse in and of itself and make it mean something to you personally. And I think that's actually a crap way to read the Bible. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like Isaiah was saying this thing and it's like, dude, that was about Jesus and that was a prophecy or that was about, uh, you know, this particular military leader or, you know, like it doesn't have anything to do with you personally on a personal like. And I know everybody's like, oh, every verse of the Bible is like about me. It's like that's such a <laughs> narcissistic Western way to read the Bible. <laughs> Uh, so hold on. I think I found what I was looking for. Where, where do we read about the seven spirits of God in the Bible? It's, uh, Isaiah, I believe is where it first comes up. Then a shoot will spring up from a stem of Jesse. A branch of its roots will bear the fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the, <clears throat> the fear of the Lord. So that's the first time that the seven spirits are put forth. I know it comes up in other places, but here's listed again, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of power, the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. So that first comes up in Isaiah 11 verse two. So, okay. And it's, it's a few places throughout, but I knew I'd read it in other places. Um, real quick with the chat. Uh, (laughs) Jess, stop taking the Bible out of context challenge. I like that one. I like that one. Um, <laughs> oh, shoot. I missed it. Corey said I was saved after a coma and had an experience and started reading the Bible within a week. Corey, I'd love to hear your story at some point. Dude. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's I'm sure that's it just sounds like a powerful testimony. Just just with the, even, even in that one sentence. Um, how many books reports did PJ hand in after reading the comic book classics? <laughs> More than one. <laughs> That's not a joke. And, and watch, they were probably better book reports than the people who actually slogged through it and didn't get it. For true story, I aced my book report on To Kill a Mockingbird. I never read To Kill a Mockingbird. I didn't even read the spark notes. I watched the movie and I aced it. So, <laughs> facts. The, the movie's very good uh, yeah. adaptation. It actually, that was the one of the few times that was helpful. (laughs) Most of the time you'd be like, no, not even close, (laughs) not even close. All right. So where were we at? Uh, There was something we were talking about with the the eyes, the the harp. What were we talking about? Seven spirits. Mm -hmm. We were just getting through chapter five, seeing if there was anything missing. I I thought the incense was interesting, but oh, yeah. Well, that's what exactly what I was about to say is the golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And I like how it just tells you, which is nice. <laughs> I like when yeah. Revelation does that. Which I like. I like because it's Catholics, I think, generally who who maybe burn incense <clears throat> during prayer. And, and the Bible's saying the incense is the prayer. Like it's not <laughs> yeah. the prayer is which... Because th- there's part of me who that has like a small um, discomfort using incense because of the way it's used in witchcraft, but it's used throughout the Bible in association with prayer, so I shouldn't worry about it. But uh, unpopular opinion time. Um, <laughs> I think we've. Hmm, how do I put this without? <laughs> I think we've. Too, I think we have obsessed for hundreds of years as a culture 
with westernizing the Bible, which is not mm. a uniquely Western text. And I know that sounds weird because I'm not saying it's the same as Buddhism and Taoism and all these Eastern religions. My point is anything that l- seems Eastern ish gets kind of pushed to the side in a Western culture. Yeah. And I think that's wrong of us. I think the Bible's the Bible, the inerrant word of God. And if it doesn't fit in with what the Greeks thought, <laughs> they, they seem to take precedence in America. I, I, it's yeah. it's sad, but I think it's true. Yeah, I've heard somebody explain it of it's the Bible is a profoundly Middle Eastern thing. And that's not comfortable ju- to yeah. <laughs> modern that's, American culture. And it's not just geographically. It's I mean, God didn't it. it Jesus wasn't black. Jesus wasn't white. Jesus was right in the middle. And and culturally, he wasn't Eastern West. He was right in the middle. Like that, God, That's what I was thinking, too, is it's not tr- it's not super Eastern, but it's not as Western as we want to make it either, I think. Right. I think that there are things that are uncomfortable for the East, for the West, and for the Middle East. I mean, they were so uncomfortable with them, they killed them. So <laughs> it, it's, it's not, you know preferentially treating anybody. I think that, that the Bible was the hardest for the people who were closest to it. Mm-hmm. But I, I like, I do like that God chose to put it down in the most central of all locations. Yeah. And I don't, uh, it's not a mistake. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not a mistake. Oopsies. I just Some, cut it with a brow. <laughs> yeah. Some guy person over here gets me. He says, kind of like reading the Bible as a story as we're often very visual, I like to listen to it. It feels more natural to me. And I wish that people didn't look down on people who only listen to books. It's preaching to the choir over here, dude. That's me. I, I remember things better when I listen to them. I do. I it's, and I, I think if you think about it, you know, historically, that is how the Bible was passed down as people would memorize and, and read it to groups. Uh, most people did not read, did not sit and stare at the scrolls themselves. They, they heard it. Um, I mean, that's how some of the greatest works of fiction were, were passed down, like the Iliad and the Odyssey for a thousand years before they're written down. So preach audiobooks. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Audible sponsor us. <laughs> Except problem, don't. The problem when you write it down is that it immediately becomes static. Mm-hmm. Everything that was passed auditorially got to change with the culture and get and get translated without having to go through the error of translation it just got to grow with its culture so each telling was exactly correct and that's why i think that that fairy tales are so powerful because they were passed for so long so perfectly mm-hmm. in their symbolism so i don't i don't know <laughs> why are campfire stories so powerful yeah because you're listening to it because there's something there in the, in the voice and the emotion of it too um also Lit says I love, or you know, just says I love listening to the audio version of the Bible. I, as an as a not a Catholic, um, the Bible in a Year podcast is fantastic. I recommend it to everybody. Um, it's 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 really good. I listen to it pretty much every day. So, um, if if you want a good way to listen to an audio Bible, because I'll be honest, if, you know, you version a lot of those, the the guys who read them are like, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Not good. <laughs> Am I wrong on that? You've listened you're to not, like the... You're not wrong. I will say, for those of you who want recommendations, I've done two on Audible. Um, let's see. While you're looking up, there's an Audible Bible that's written that's read by like professional actors. 
which, you know, take that for what it's not about their voice. It's just, they're good at their craft, right? They're good at reading things. So could be, could be a good way. I've never done it that way, but yeah. Bible in your podcast, such a good one. I, I agree. I really, really like it. Where you go? Trying to find it. There are too many books. <laughs> I, I know. That's what, <laughs> whenever somebody asks me for a audio recommendation, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> and I return Let's a lot, but search. I've got hundreds in my. This yeah. Very good. That's the professional actor one. It is good. I've heard it's good. Yeah. I, I like get Morgan distracted Freeman and stuff like that. I get distracted by the performances. Okay. But um, Max McLean, who is a professional audiobook narrator, did did one that I. That's the last one I did, and then I didn't want to. I mean, I could have just read it again, but I just wanted a different one. So there's one narrated by Kristen Getty, mm. and so it's just this like Irish female voice reading the Bible. It's been it's fantastic. Your husband says the Dwell Audio Bible app. I think is that like the meditation ones because I like some of those too. Um, I don't remember which one it was. There's a meditation one where you can like they'll read the Bible to you, but it's in a way that like put you to sleep. So you can fall asleep with the word of God in your head. And I, I like that one. Um, Jess says, go download the word of promise Bible on audible. It's so good. I will. I'll check that out because yeah, I, I like listening, but I don't, I don't particularly like the Bible apps. I think the guy reads it as if he's Charlton Heston or something, you know, yeah. and it's, <laughs> it's very droll. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, getting off topic a little bit. Okay. Are we, are we done with chapter five? Is there yeah. More yeah. Here? I think so. I, I think it, that one is also, I guess I was just like thinking to myself, everybody keeps telling me chapter four, chapter five, like you'll understand. We're not going to understand everything today anyway, but I just, I thought maybe yeah. I was missing something. That's all. Just want to make well, sure. Okay. There was one thing. Hang on. Where was it? Well, this isn't the thing I wanted, but for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nations. That's something that I've thought about a lot. And that's not the only verse that says so that it's going to be every tribe and every language. The number of language groups that haven't been reached, there's still, there's still language groups that are deep in the jungles of South America and the Philippines and Africa and, th- and places that have never heard the gospel. Yeah, I think about that too, and I'm I'm sure we'll run into it because I think it comes up again in Revelation. <clears throat> but that's another thing is like right now there is a huge massive push to to bring the Bible to everybody. It's being translated all the time. It's I think the Bible's in five thousand languages now, including including uh, Klingon. Not a joke. <laughs> Gosh, nerds. Um, but I'm you know so glad I mean? we did that before getting it to people groups that didn't have it. Well, you know, the fictional people of Star Trek needed it first, I guess. Some nerd needed to feel superior by reading it in Klingon. <laughs> yes. But that is a, that is a real thing. I was not joking about that. Yeah, I think I think I think we should move on to chapter 6 unless you had anything else you wanted to say about 5. There was uh, I'm trying to find one line that basically said uh I'm so sorry. This seemed important. I'm having trouble finding. I 
while you're finding it, I was going to point out one thing that I feel like, uh, I feel like is not okay. So let me put it this way. There are certain parts of revelation that I, I really think people focus a little bit too much on trying to figure out the actual number. And I feel like we do this a few times in the Bible where it's like some things are alliterate. Some things are, uh, metaphor. So like in here, I don't know if the metaphor is what I'm looking for. It says 10,000 times 10,000 doesn't like it's, it's a phrase that that would be like, you know, a a lot infinite, like multitudes, things like that. I I don't know. I wonder if like, that's the case. We're about to get into the 144,000 and I'm not sure if that's actually a number that matters or if it's like, here's a big number that also represents the 12 tribes of Israel. I don't know. I could be wrong on it, but I think like, obviously I don't believe in what the Jehovah's witnesses believe that there's only 144,000 that are ever going to get saved. Uh, It's more than 144,000 Jehovah's witnesses. So they're gonna have to fight amongst themselves. (laughs) I know. Uh, I found, yeah, I found the verse I was looking for right after the verse. I just, I just read, (laughs) Um, but I had to like read the whole two chapters again to find it. Um, okay, so by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. So I think one thing that people focus in on is this question of, has the kingdom started already, or is it coming? And I think it's both. It's like the already, not yet. <clears throat> it Jesus conquered sin and death, and then we were immediately part of his kingdom. And so these people who have been ransomed are, are part of his kingdom and priests to him and they're reigning or they shall reign on the earth, mm-hmm. but they are, they're not reigning yet. Right. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, Jess totally gets what I'm saying. That number was so unfathomable at the time. Today, our national debt is a number that is unfathomable accounting for inflation. Yeah. I mean, 10,000 times 10,000 means unfathomable, big, unfathomable, big number. I think it's pretty obvious in text. That's what it means too. But some people will like haggle over the little things that I don't think, I don't think they get it. It's like, we're, we're allowed to speak that way, you know, like, Oh, it's like a billion. And it's like, well, was it literally a billion? <laughs> no. How, how dare a highly metaphorical passage say something metaphorical at all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Chapter so six. six through 20 is where we get into the seals and all of the craziness. So let's let's begin with uh, these seven seals, chapter six. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody find a good picture of seals <laughs> being weird, like arf arf seals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's where my head's at. Okay. Now I watched when the lamb opened one of the seven seals. <laughs> oh no! Now I don't want to think of it as seals anymore. <laughs> okay. I'm so sorry. I'm getting on track. When the lamb opened one of the seven seals and I heard one of the four this living was the, creatures. The first one. <laughs> Just so cute. Wanted people to know what the first seal looked like. So. <laughs> <laughs> Why? He, you know what? That just got really dark. I just realized opened up like club yeah, to baby seal. Just oh man, guys <laughs> opened up, opened up emotionally. <laughs> <laughs> Now you're the one being gay. <laughs> okay. I'm literally a woman, but okay. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
Who oh. says reading Revelation can't be fun? says, uh, <laughs> I just died. I DM'd you the seventh. Okay, okay. Okay. Keep reading. I got it. I can't. So we're just going to have to wait. Okay. There we go. There's the seven seals. <laughs> Let's open up that first one. Emotionally. Emotionally. Emotional damage. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh okay I'm gonna stop crying <laughs> alright I heard one of the four living creatures say with a voice like thunder come and I looked and behold a white horse and its rider had a bow and a crown was given to him and he came out conquering and to conquer so a seal opens and then a physical thing happens it, it's like it plays a hologram Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't don't get into Project Bluebeam on the street. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> it plays a metaphorical heavenly hologram. Um, mm-hmm. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. And out came another horse, bright red. Its rider was permitted to take peace from the earth so that people should slay one another. And he was given a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. And I looked, and behold, a black horse, and its rider had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard what seemed to be a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, uh, which was a day's wage, Mm -hmm. and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And do not harm, harm the oil and wine. So this is a very specific, like, a day's wage for this fairly small amount of wheat, right? Right. Yeah, what did it say? A a quart? A quart of wheat for a day's wage and three quarts of barley for a day's wage. Gotcha. And do not harm the oil and wine. Thank God we're saving the wine. Um, That's how we know he loves us. (laughs) When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. And I looked and behold a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. (laughs) And they were given authority, and they, Death and Hades, were given authority over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword and with famine and with pestilence and by wild beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the al- I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. So these are the, the martyrs. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete who were killed as they themselves had been. When he, had op- when he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up And every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth 
and the great ones, and the generals, and the rich and the powerful, and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? All right, so I want to go through the four horsemen of the apocalypse here real quick. Um, I I know that the first one, the white horse, uh, find it odd that some people actually think that this is Jesus. Which, no, I'm serious. Like, because huh. if I'm correct, and again, it's been a minute since I've read all through Revelation, Jesus talked about coming on a white horse later, but it would be odd that Jesus would be leading famine and death and Hades and all these things. So right here, white horse, the imagery of the four horse when the apocalypse comes from Zechariah, which we could look that up if we want to. Um, yeah. The colors, what's the, what's Zechariah one eight. If you want to look that up real quick. Yeah. The colors of revelation correspond to the character of the riders. White symbolizes conquest. Uh, so major, major interpretations of the rider on the white horse are Christ, even though that comes in chapter 19 verse 11. So I don't think it's the same rider. Uh, because the Antichrist is the second one that is the most thought of. And I'm like, well, that would make more sense if the Antichrist is representing himself as the Christ and leading death and Hades and famine and all these things. Um, Apollo. Yeah. And then we've got the spirit of conquest, which is kind of like. Which is Aries. Right. Uh, the later estab- the, the latter establishes a more natural sequence for the other three riders, which are symbolized bloodshed, famine, and death. Uh, and. So yeah, sounds like the Antichrist to me. Then we've got another horse which is the fiery red one, which symbolizes bloodshed and war. It sounds like Aries people kill each other. If the white horse is conquest from without the red horse, maybe internal revolution could be. Uh, then we got the black horse, which is famine. Uh, and that's the one carrying this, the scales and saying like, you're basically going to starve because a day's wage is going to buy you like a loaf of bread. Hmm. Uh, bloodshed, famine, pair of scales, a balanced beam with scales hung from either end. Then uh, one quart of wheat would be enough for only one person. That's what it's getting. So like if I'm working all day for a denarius and I get one, you know, meal for myself, then my family starves. That's famine. Uh, Pale horse describes the ashen appearance of the dead. It symbolizes death and Hades generally equivalent to the Hebrew Sheol. Uh, follows with it. It seems. It seems like if if well, the last one's obviously death and Hades. That's obviously a demon, right? Or two demons. Well, that's the thing. Is I feel like this 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 verse gets interpreted often as and hell followed with. But is it talking about hell or is it talking about Hades, like the brother of Zeus, Hades, like an actual? entity yeah and not a place you know what i mean so like there's two interpretations there it yeah. does seem like it could be referring i think to hades the 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 deity the the demonic yeah fallen angel deity and not hell the place whatever you want to look at this because after this it then talks about the opening with, with the what is a sixth seal it talks about the opening of sheol doesn't it Oh, no, the fifth, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. So, I don't know. I'm just thinking through this, by the way, guys. I don't have the answers. Um, 
What are your thoughts so far? Because it does say the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God. Um, I don't know. Then it talks, you know, about the earthquakes blotting out of the sun and people hiding. So, so if if we're gonna it, okay, if I was going to try to cram this into my Greek mythology or gods and goddesses, which isn't necessarily fair, but the conquering one would be Apollo. the The white horse would be Apollo, and then which continually <laughs> comes up with regard to the end times. I think more and more Apollo is. Yeah, Apollyon is literally talked about yeah. in chapter nine of Revelation. And then the red horse is going to be Aries. And then the black horse seems to be, if you look up the Roman god of starvation, Limos is the is the flip side to Demeter. So, she, and um, Demeter is this like the food and grain goddess, but she's the mother of Persephone who married Hades. So there's this weird like demonic relationship between food and plenty and starvation, like mm-hmm. these cycles. So I wonder if that's what's going on there. And then, and then you have Hades. I don't know. I don't know if it's fair to try to cram that in there. It's interesting. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, I think the thing about it is that these are talking about, I, th- I think it's really talking about real beings. I mean, that's the thing about it. Like, I don't think it's just symbolic of like death, destruction, things like that. I think they all have their counterparts in the, in the yeah. spiritual. So, and even though these, these beings are evil and they want to do evil, they move at God's bidding at his, at his permission. Right. Ryan over here. I thought Demeter was a little over three feet. <laughs> Nice <laughs> Jeff's nice. job. No, I'm just kidding. That was good. Nice. Well, well done. Well played. <laughs> but you're right. Lemos is the starvation uh, god. Yeah. The lineage there goes. I think that's the Greek though. Roman is famis, which was where we get the word famine from. You're right. You're right. Which again, R- Greek Roman Rome literally just changed the names. Like we're talking about the same things, just different names. You know, Z- uh, Zeus became Jupiter or whatever, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the lineage uh, lineages are weird because I don't think that the lineages is actually saying this demon had this demon child had this demon child. I think it's just this is how I read this person reinvented themselves for each culture that they yeah. were in. So the lineage goes Gia. The Earth Goddess, the Mother, literally Gaia Mother Earth. or whatever. Gaia, yeah. yeah. And then her daughter's Rhea, mm-hmm. and then her daughter's Demeter, right? And then her daughter's Persephone. Yeah, and if we're talking about fallen angel beings here, like their children would all be mm-hmm. Nephilim, which is going to be a thing. We're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to get that Wednesday. I'm just telling you guys right now. That's <laughs> going to be coming up, but. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. I don't think it's like actual birth. I think that that's why you see like kind of these weird reinventions of like uh, these. What am I trying to say? Like if you think of like Baal and Asherah and then they kind of like reinvent themselves, but they eh, it doesn't matter. 
I'm still trying to figure these things out. Yeah. Thinking, yeah, exactly. thinking through it live in my head and it's probably not coming <laughs> out right. But uh, yeah. So anyway, we it's got fun. the, I, my point is I don't think the white horse represented here in chapter six is Jesus. I think that's the white, I, the, I think that's very obviously who comes in on the white horse in chapter 19. It's not the same thing. So they're going to kill a quarter of the population with sword, famine, pestilence, and wild beasts. Now, okay, I want to ask. I want to ask myself a question: How many people? Wait, what percentage? What percentage of people? See, because here, here, real quick, I just want to like foreshadow this. Nineteen eleven says the heaven, the heavenly warrior defeats the beast. I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faithful and true. With justice, he judges and wages war. His eyes are like a blazing fire. This is not talking about the same thing at all in chapter six, where it says, <clears throat> uh, hold on. Well, before was a white horse, its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode as out to conquer and was bent on conquest. It's not the same thing, but so the one thing that stood out to me in history, cause, cause a question that we're asking, right? Is it, is this to come or does this already happened? And the Black Death killed between 30 to 50% of the population of Europe. So not the population of the whole Earth. But just that, so there was what? Pestilence, the sword, <clears throat> famine. All those together killed 25%. I don't know. I wonder if you can make an argument that that amount of people died during that time period over the world. I mean, I also think like if we're talking about the world we live in now, right? Like it says in the Bible that Satan is the ruler of this world. That's it's right there in the text. I'm not making that up. So like, if you're thinking about this, like throughout time, like I, my belief is that these beings aren't doing nothing for sent from the beginning, from the fall till now. I just think that this is like, their death charge, like all of them together in this sequence, in this order, in a way that's so terrible that all it says right here, all people, rich, slave, uh, rich, poor, slave and free, hide in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they called out to the mountains and the rocks fall mm-hmm. on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the Lord. So yeah, good point. I, I don't think that it's not like these things have never happened. Like earthquakes have never happened. Obviously like they wouldn't be writing about these terrible earthquakes. If people are like, what, what's an earthquake Uh war, you know, what's war, what's famine, what's these things like they all have happened. But I think that this is, you know, but you're right. I mean, I know some people will look at it and be like, well, look at the black plague. Look at the, the wars that took out, you know, just the wars in the 20th century alone, starvation in Russia and in China was in the, tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions between those two countries, not to not even to mention Germany, which was, you know, yeah, another 6 million people starved to death. So I don't know. Uh, Yeah. Good point. But I also think that they're also like in order to make that case, you're also looking like disparate, huge gaps of time and in, in and out of order. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, and then it kind of is in the wrong order with, you would think that, the war God would have been like the world wars 
it's always weird to me that such horrific things happened, such massive things happened in history and weren't specifically prophesied. Like, I want the world wars to have been prophesied because they were just so bad. Mm -hmm. Corey Anderson says, I think we're in the short season mentioned in chapter 20. All my research circle back to back and back to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get there seeing, like I said, we're working this stuff out. Uh, some YouTube channels break it down, basically explain how that would happen. Makes a lot of sense. It, and again, anytime you guys want to send us stuff, you if you follow us on Twitter, if you follow us on Instagram, you can email us at conspiracypilled at gmail.com or whatever. And we're, we you know, would love to get any videos or things. I saw one earlier. Somebody sent me one earlier this morning. It was about 20 minutes long and I watched that. So um, what if what if the first two horses have happened? It's just been really slow. So what if the conquering one is like the age of empires um, culminating with the the mobile game that yeah that okay. one it prophesied the mobile game that's what I was trying to say yep and then <laughs> uh, ending ending with the um, United uh, I'm sorry the British Empire right would have been the last <clears throat> one and then that kind of and then the next thing that happens is the, the two world wars, which would be the red horse. So we would be what we would be waiting on a black horse. We'd be waiting is, on famine while they're, while they're <clears throat> destroying Ohio all and all supply. of our food supplies are burning down around us currently. That checks a out. long view of the seals being broken. I mean, I could believe it. It kind of checks out. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. I really, I'm really worried that we are going into like massive world famines right now. Like that's the thing. That's what they want for some reason. And it's really gross. Well, how else do you control an entire world population except through hunger? Yeah. There's no greater way to control people, unfortunately. And I think that's the goal of, of, of all of it. I also noticed here it says that the blotting out of the sun. I'm like, is Bill Gates, does Bill Gates in the future get his wish where he gets like, blacking out the sun like he wants to. Have you guys read about that? Bill Gates wants to like he wants to black out the sun. I, I'm, I'm not joking. Have you not heard of this? I'm no, gonna look I, this up. Go ahead. Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, I've heard of all kinds of crazy stuff about Bill Gates, but Bill Gates aims to spray dust into the atmosphere to block out the sun. <laughs> oh, and I'll, I'll show this on screen in a second. My ad blockers being a jerk. This is in Forbes, by the way. It's not a conspiracy website. Bill Gates ventures to venture aims to spray dust into the atmosphere to block out the sun to combat climate change. Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates is financially backing the development of sun dimming technology that could potentially reflect sunlight sunlight out of Earth's atmosphere, triggering a global cooling effect. The stratospheric controlled perturbation experiment, Scopex, launched by Harvard University students, aims to examine this solution by spraying non-toxic calcium carbonate. I thought that they weren't spraying stuff in the sky. I thought chemtrails was a lie. Dust they into are, the atmosphere, a sun-reflecting aerosol. They're not doing it, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just but saying, like when you? I read about the sun getting blocked out in the end times, I'm like, we're going to do that to ourselves, aren't we? Yeah. Just saying. Bill Gates causes climate change. Fact. Yeah. 
can't make this up. Like I said, Forbes, it's like mainstream news. Like Bill Gates wants to block out the sun and everybody's then there's people going, Hmm, I wonder if that's a good idea. Like how delusional do you have to be to be like, yeah, blocking out the sun. That sounds good. Yeah. I think he, he, he genuinely believes he's a God. Yeah, I think he does. Which I mean, <laughs> Bill Gates, the Antichrist. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely believe he's possessed by some sort of demon. Like, well, I mean, when you sell all of your soul, what happens? Something else moves in, right? I think so. I think, yeah, I think so too. Works. <clears throat> I think so too. What else we got here? Let's see. So, six seal, there was a great earthquake, the sun turned black. What was the seventh seal again? Am I missing the seventh seal here? Sun turned black and sackcloth made of goat hair. The whole moon turned blood red and the stars fell from the sky. The heavens receded. Then the kings. Oh, the seventh seal is not even to the next chapter, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking they'd, you know, all conveniently be in one chapter for me. But yeah. Earthquakes, stars, heavens. Corey, who runs the simulation? Like who's in charge of it? Is it a human or a set of humans or is it a demonic thing? I'm curious. Because my, my biggest problem with Flat Earth has always been that the undertaking is too big for humans. Well, yeah, this is the thing too, is like, I don't understand. Like I don't understand the, the, the simulated sun theory. Like, was it created by like, I feel like the only possible plausible explanation is that we're literally built by aliens and this whole terrarium was built by some ancient alien race. We're all living on an ant farm because anything beyond that is like, we're trying to use, we're trying to say we have technology beyond what we have now, but we also had it from the beginning of time. I don't know. Beginning of time, like domes, fake suns, like simulated sky. Like, did we get moved into the Truman show? Like, I don't know. It's, it's why I don't get it. All right. Let's but again, at- any, anything you guys have that you want to send us, we'll, we'll look into, but go ahead. I forgot. I pulled up Zechariah. Yes. Yeah, Zechariah one eight. Okay. Um, I'm going to do the context around it. On the which, 24th day of the 11th month, which is the month of Shabbat, in the second year of Darius, which is the same king that was king, uh, one of the kings <clears throat> that the coincided with, kings. Dan- with Daniel. Yeah. Um, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, the son of Berechiah, son of Iddo, saying, I saw in the night, and behold, <clears throat> a man riding on a red horse. He was standing among the myrtle trees in the glen, and behind him were red, sorrel, and white horses. Then he said, What are these, my lord? The angel who talked with me said to me, I will show you what they are. So the man who was standing among the myrtle trees answered, These are they whom the Lord has sent to patrol the earth. And they answered, The angel of the Lord who was standing among the myrtle trees, that's Jesus, the angel of the Lord, mm-hmm. right? Uh, among the myrtle trees and said, We have patrolled the earth, and behold, all the earth remains at rest. 
Then the angel of the Lord said, O Lord of hosts, how long will you have no mercy on Jerusalem and the cities of Judah against whom you have been angry these seventy years? And the Lord answered gracious and comforting words to the angel who talked with me. So the angel who talked with me said to me, Cry out, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Jerusalem and for Zion, and I am exceedingly angry with the nations that are at ease. For a while I was angry, but a little they furthered the disaster. Therefore, thus says the Lord, I have returned to Jerusalem with mercy. My house will be built in it, declares the Lord of hosts, and the measuring line shall be stretched out over Jerusalem. Cry out again. Thus says the Lord of hosts, my cities shall again overflow with prosperity, and the Lord will again comfort Zion and again choose Jerusalem. Yeah, There's so here, here here one uh, of the notes actually does denote that uh the angel of the Lord is is Yeshua is Jesus. That's what it's talking about. Yeah. There's a lot of visions here. Maybe we can get into it later. There's a lot of stuff in these in these prophetic books that's just never taught, and I think a lot of preachers just don't know what to do with it at all. It's yeah. not clearly about the end times. It's not clear. So they just ignore. But this is my point about like getting like one verse taught to you once a week for 30 years. It's like it's hard to delve into like where is the red horse talked about? Where is like all of these things like making these connections, right? So that is interesting. I'll have to look more into Zechariah. Yeah. Yeah. Right, that's Zechariah one eight. Yeah, I just closed it on an accident. Let's get into the one hundred forty four thousand. All right, let's do it. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun. Hang on. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been giving power to harm earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Um, hang on. It's okay. Uh, okay. Every tribe, but Dan's not here. Right. Well, I was about to say, this is where Dan is not at. So one, two, three, four, five, six. It's still 12 because it includes Joseph and Naphtali and Manasseh. Right. So Naphtali and Manasseh are grandsons as opposed to sons. Right. But it's very clear that the tribe of Dan was cut off. Yeah. And that story's in there. I don't remember all the details of it. But I don't either. We, we talked why. about it on one of our episodes, and I'm trying to remember what episode and why we were talking why about. Or maybe it, was, maybe it was when you and me were sharing some TikToks about this. Maybe we didn't talk about it on an episode, but there is. Yeah, it's, it's very notable here that the tribe of Dan is not listed. They chose, they, 
they chose not to enter the promised land. They chose to um, settle land on the other side of the river. Dan and half the tribe of Manasseh never chose to inhabit the promised land. Um, so Dan so, and Manasseh? Uh, well, so half half of Manasseh settled. Oh, okay. I was going to say, because Manasseh's here. Of, okay. Half of Manasseh went in. So it says, um, the tribe of Dan, once the second most populous de- tribe, declined in numbers and influence until by Ezra's time, it was gone. So Observer 777 over here says, the tribe of Dan was cut out from the tribes of Israel due to Jeroboam and Ephraim building two calves of gold for their people to worship one in Bethel in Ephraim and the other set in Dan. That's right. Isn't that, that's what we were talking about that one time, wasn't it? Yeah. So what happens is first they decide not to go, not to settle in the promised land and, and God's like, fine, you can live on the other side of the river. But then they're like, well, it's too much for us to travel across the river to go to the temple. So we're building these idols. Yeah. Also, I'm sorry I missed this chat earlier. Some guy person, he says, Ukraine and Russia's wheat production, which accounts for a huge percentage of the world's wheat production, is down for some strange random reason. That's a good point. <laughs> when we're talking about famine coming, we've been being warned for over a year. When, when did the Ukraine war start? March of last year? It's been a year now? Yeah. Yeah, it's been yeah, a year. Yeah, we were told that they, that's the breadbasket of, of the world, essentially, when it comes to wheat production. So kind of crazy to think about but yeah the tribe of dan does appear in ezekiel 48 it's okay so okay well this is too much to get into right now but when we get into the prophecies in ezekiel 48 and 49 or i'm sorry 38 and 39 Yep. Also, uh, my Bible does say the same thing here. I just realized it says one of the two Joseph tribes, Ephraim and Manasseh, <clears throat> yet mentioned separately, probably make up the 12 tribes since Dan is omitted. The omission is due perhaps to Dan's earlier connection with idolatry in Judges 1830 mm-hmm. or, to, or to a tradition that the Antichrist was to come from that tribe. Hmm. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. We'll get we'll get more into Dan because I think there's a lot of conspiracy theories about the lost tribe of Israel. Yeah. Right. And I also think that again, just just to give you guys an overview, we're not going to be answering every question that we possibly can. I think a huge part of reading this is to know what the questions are that we don't have the answers to, and to to continue the research after this. So you're going to read Revelation this one time, and then just be like, all right, put that in the back of our yeah. minds. Um, no, I think this is, I think this is the beginning of something. So. Yeah. So I think when people settle in on this 144,000. Yeah. That's what I want to ask about. There's 12,000. So he's saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the, or the trees until we have sealed our servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed 144,000 from, from every tribe of the sons of Israel, 12,000 from each tribe. So I'm guessing that that's a round number. 
not I, an exact I number. think it's a that's the thing is I feel like it is a round number because the 12s are being repeated here and we've seen many times <clears throat> throughout the whole Bible that 10,000 is a number used to mean a lot. So 12,000 sound it, it sounds like a round number saying there is you know these faithful remnants they're a large number. Yeah. I some people think it's just like 12,000 times 12 is just to say a large number of the remnant I think it's more accurate to say this is actually specifically talking about the Jewish tribe remnant. That's at least yeah. my belief on it. But it's I don't think twelve thousand is an exact number. And I that's just my that's just my gut on this, but uh, Yeah, I, th- I don't I don't think it's exact, but I don't think it's like very far from it. No, I don't think exact. it's very far off, but I, I don't I think it is more of a I think it's more of a round number. Is that I and I do think it's talking about the I think this is specifically about the remnants of Israel, not mm-hmm. of everyone. Yeah, which implies that otherwise it would be twenty four. Otherwise it would be twenty four if you're if you're continuing the theme here, because then it would be the twelve tribes of Israel and the twelve apostles. And that's how you know mm-hmm. it's old and new covenant. And when it stays with twelve, I think that's important because it's Did you shut me off or what happened? I didn't. It wasn't me. I <laughs> I must have been onto something because something just shut me off. That was weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching. I'm like, she didn't click it. I didn't click it. What the <laughs> heck was that? <sighs> weird. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. When things like that happen, I literally do think to myself, was I saying something that was true? And it's like, um, no, I, I, I don't yeah, know. When I it's think 12, that's it's about the, the Jewish people. And when it's 24, it's about old and new covenant. So when you see the 24 elders around the throne, that's old and new covenant. Right. Which are the 24 elders, the the 12 sons of Israel and the 12 apostles. Is that who that is? That's what most people, I think that's, I think that's what it means. Okay. Yeah. The (laughs) The feds is in chat says it was me. (laughs) (laughs) It's always the fat uh, the Illuminati are over here messing with our stream. <laughs> okay, so twelve thousand from the tribe of Judah were sealed, twelve thousand from the tribe of Reuben, twelve thousand from the tribe of Gad, twelve thousand from the tribe of Asher, twelve thousand from the tribe of Naphtali, twelve thousand from the tribe of Manasseh, twelve thousand from the tribe of Simeon, twelve thousand from the tribe of Levi, twelve thousand from the tribe of Issachar, twelve thousand from the tribe of Zebulun, twelve thousand from the tribe of Joseph, twelve thousand from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. From every nation. See, that's the other distinction. I'm not trying to cut you off, but that's the distinction there, right? Between the the, this is obviously about the remnants of Israel, and then it's just being very blunt and un, you know, multitude of everybody else as well. So I I do think it's disingenuous when people say it's just about everyone. It's not specifically about uh, the remnants of Israel. I think that comes from replacement theology, and I think this and the 24 and a few other things that we've talked about in Romans. specifically cut against replacement theology pretty strongly when you're talking about the grafting out of branches and things like that. So maybe I should just go read that passage in Romans. I think you should because it came up to this morning to me in a sermon I was watching and you told me about it like yesterday. So the fact that it keeps and the fact that it keeps coming up, I think is like we can't ignore that. Right. So yeah, let me just read it. This is Romans 11. This um, I want to just dedicate this Bible reading to Nick Fuentes and his supporters. Um, (laughs) I'm so sorry. 
I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means, for I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Do you not know what the scripture says of Elijah, how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars, and I alone am left, and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Like Elijah didn't even know God had 7,000 people just secretly Mm -hmm. hidden away. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant, a remnant chosen by grace. But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace would no longer be grace. What then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of super eyes that would not see and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So as to make Israel jealous. I love this. (laughs) God literally just was like, I'm just going to go make my woman jealous. (laughs) She doesn't want me. I'm seeing other people. (laughs) Um, Where was this? To make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Now I am speaking to you Gentiles, inasmuch then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous and thus save some of them. Like the whole point is to save more Jews yes. by making them jealous. It's yeah. it, This is the thing too, like the Bible's not about us, it's about the Jews. It, it just is. It always has been. And we can either enjoy and be grateful that we've been included or, you know, continue to be bitter and jealous about it but um and they'll save some of them for if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead uh okay if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead like bringing them back in literally means life from the dead I don't know and there's a whole works. part in the end times. It's like, yes, this is going to bring the Jews back to me. Yeah. Who rejected and, me for thousands of years. And yeah, like the, yeah. this is the story, right? He chose yeah. them. He fought for them. He finally was like, fine, I'll make you jealous. You guys can go away. I'll have these other people. And then I'm then going to bring them back in the end. And that's what's going to wrap up the story. Also, I just want to say thank you, Jess, for listening when God spoke to you this week, she says, I can't believe it's coming up. I wasn't sure why I need to tell you to read it. God moves us in so many crazy ways. Absolutely. And, and good. And really seriously good on you for like listening to and recognizing that God was speaking to you and telling you to say it to Abby, because she said it to me. And then I saw it again this morning (laughs) and then it came up here. Just like it just jumped out at me in the text. I'm like, it's right there. Yeah. So it's amazing when God wants you to know something, you know? Yeah. Let's read to the end of the chapter here. Cause I think that there's more. Let's see. If the dough offered as as first fruits is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. 
But if some of the branches are broken off and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are, remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. It's so obvious what this it's, is. It's like you anti-Semites, you idiots. Like, stop It's like, stupid. right, it's right there. It's right there. Black and white. Uh. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But if you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Uh, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not continue in, in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved as it is written. The deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob, and this will be my covenant with them when when I take away their sins. As regards the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But as regards election, they are beloved for the sake of their forefathers. So he's acknowledging, like, look, I know that they killed Jesus. Like, as regards the gospel, they're the enemy. Fine, whatever. But as regards election, they're beloved for the sake of their forefathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Yeah. For just as you were at one time disobedient to God, but now have received mercy because of their disobedience, so they too have now been disobedient in order that by mercy shown to you, they also may now receive mercy. For God has co-signed all to disobedience that he may have mercy on all. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things to him. Be glory forever. Amen. Amen. I, I want to answer a few questions in chat that I see popping up really quick. So first of all, Cody asked, and uh, Cody, I did see your message earlier about reading in Greek. It's just when you say read it in Greek, I don't know which part you mean. I can't read like the whole thing in Greek because I just don't speak Greek. So if you have something in particular, let me know. But you said, um, if we all come from Adam and Eve, wouldn't we all have Jewish in us? No. And here's why. Because there are three lines that come out of Noah, right? So we all come from Adam and Eve. We also all come from Noah. Uh, Noah had three sons. He had Shem, Japheth, and Ham. If you And this is the thing that's really important. It's going to be important on Wednesday. And I, that's why I want to say this. The, the bloodlines in the Old Testament are incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important. And they're very thorough. From the, from the line of Shem come the Semitic lines. This is where you get the Jews and where you get the, uh, the, the, the Arabs, I guess is what, I don't know what else you call it basically. Right. So, you know, when they split off from Abraham's two sons, but from Japheth's line is where you get the, um, Gentiles. And then from Ham's line is where you get all of the Canaanites and the Amalekites and all of the ites that are the enemies of God's people. So those lines are very well-documented but no, we're not all Semitic. Those Semitic lines literally do come from Shem. So 
I just want to point that out there. No, we're not. We're not all Jewish because of Adam and Eve, but <laughs> Cody's so right. Kanye's mad. He and ham line. <laughs> <laughs> He's mad. He's in ham's line. There we go. <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I'm, I know that was a little bit of a side tangent. But I think that was important. I think that, that God was laying that on yeah. our hearts. So um, yeah, let's let's uh, let's continue on with chapter seven real quick. Yeah. Okay. Where were we? We were at the beginning of the multitude of every nation. We'll just restart that part. I think after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are the, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to them, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So this numberless people is not from all time. It's not all Christians from all time. It's just out of the tribulation. Like that's right, how many well, people are getting saved. Right. And also if you look back, it, it I think it makes it clear in chapter six where it's like, and then the, the, under the altar, you see all the Christians who are persecuted in his name through all of time. So you see the past. And then this says these people came out of the tribulation. So it's interesting. And again, I don't know what I don't, I, I need to study this more and that's why we're doing this. But like, I don't see where some people see the rapture has already taken place. I don't know. Maybe I'm missing it, but like that is, mm-hmm. I think one of the points people make as far as like, this stuff all seems to happen before. Um, and, you know, there's the judgment right. and all these things that seem to have a chronological order where it's like Jesus comes, the judgment comes, and then he takes people back with him. I, I don't know. Like, it just, it seems to me at this point in my thinking right now, and I need to just keep studying, but it seems to me that I keep seeing the same themes come up of like a mid-trib type thing. But that's why we're studying because I want to know. Um, but yeah, yeah. Re- read that part again about them coming out of tribulation if you would. I want to make sure I'm keeping up with you. Yeah. A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. They're, they're crying all these praise. And he's like, who, who are, who, who, um, who are these clothed in white robes? And from where have they come? I said, sir, you know, and he said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have right. washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So that's verse 13. I just want to see if there's any notes on it. So I'm curious. Um, the great tribulation, the period of the final hostility prior to Christ's return. Some hold that the beginning of the hostility was already being experienced by the church of John's day. That's all it says here. So I don't know, just curious. Something I'm trying to understand, but you can keep going. Um. Therefore they are therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple 
and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. A lot of the, that, those verses are used to like talk about heaven and what heaven's going to be like, but this seems very specific to people who survived the tribulation or right. didn't survive the tribulation. Like a great coming home. Like, yeah. Good job, my, you know, well done, my good and faithful servant type thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a very special, like, you went through this thing. Uh, and I, to me, it just reads like people coming home from war. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's all really powerful imagery. Yeah. So here's something. Uh, 15, it talks about the temple. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits in the throne will shelter them in his presence. Uh, the temple, all 16 references to the temple in Revelation use the word that designates the temple proper rather than the larger precincts is a place where God's presence dwells. This is like a reference to the temple of Solomon with the holy of whole, the most holy of holies. Um, it's interesting because it's using that same word. This is again, why I think it's so it's, it's good to, yeah, I know Cody keeps saying, turn back to the Greek. That's my <laughs> point. It's like, it's good to like actually understand like sometimes there are words. This means temple. This means temple. This means temple. But the, specific way it's written or spelled or the word that was translated to temple means this temple. That is one problem I have with a lot of the translations where it's like, if it means that one temple, then just put like Solomon's temple, like the temple, like in all, like something, I don't know. It's just a little gripe of mine. I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. So I guess one thing I'm wondering about here. Because we're we haven't even gotten to the seventh seal, and we're not going to tonight. Because I think mm-hmm. this is about where we're going to wrap up. But there's there's a whole lot more stuff to come. We still have the seventh seal. We have the the trumpets and the bowls. Yep. So the judge, um, the trumpet, bowl judgments haven't even begun. Plagues and all that. So there's still a bunch of people on the earth. What if this is what we consider the rapture? Like all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of people in heaven that are separate from the martyrs who were already talked about being under the. So what, what if this is the rapture right here? You get the four horsemen. Right. And again, if this is, if this is the rapture, it's not a pre tribulation rapture then exactly because it's saying these people came out of tribulation. Yeah. Maybe they didn't make it halfway through whatever that means. I don't think that matters, but it doesn't, it says, yeah, you know, if this is, if this is in reference to the rapture, big, if then it's saying that these people experience some of it, they experience six seals the antichrist, whatever, you know, like if that's what the, the white horseman is right. or and they're famine distinct from, from people who have been killed. So it seems like it has to be the rapture, doesn't it? It does seem like it. Right. And I know that there's a little bit of non chronological things going on here through these, these verses. Sure. So I'm sure it'll hopefully make more sense to us again. Um, 
Again, the 144,000 are brought up in chapter 7 and chapter 14. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I think that's a good, I think it's a good question for sure. This is before the seventh seal. So we at least know chronologically as far as seals go, it does happen before the seventh seal, whatever this yeah. is, whether it's rapture or not. But yeah. Hey, if I'm right about the horses, we only got to get through two more. <laughs> <laughs> The next one just sounds really bad. And then the one after that's even worse. Yeah. It's when Bill Gates blocks out the sun. <laughs> Can't wait. Uh, well. Yeah, there's a whole lot to get thoughts? to. Not us as we still have Satan being locked down for a thousand years and then we have a war. So yeah, there's a whole lot. Uh, don't access. I literally read Bible entirely from Strong's Concordance one year. I'll have to do that. I really will. I think that's a good point. Um, I need to do some research. I've heard there's one there's one translation that people like, and then there's another one that people think is iffy. I don't remember. I don't remember which one it is. But I need to. I need to study Greek. That's what it just comes down to. <laughs> I think that's probably what I'll do. Yeah, I can. I can help. I guess probably. Do you? How much? How how familiar are you still with Greek? It would take a little bit to get back into it, but I mean, I took four semesters. Yeah, so you wouldn't be like starting from nothing. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I was. Yeah. 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 It's really difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Gonna lie. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think it's something I'd like to try. Like for years now, I've been like, I want to learn another language. I don't know what. And I think it's probably probably Greek. It's probably what I'll learn. (laughs) Why not? Why not? We Why do a conspiracy not? show. I feel like understanding some ancient language is going to be helpful, right? Probably a good idea. Probably. So, um, did you have anything else you wanted to say or do we want to talk to people for a minute or what's what's your thoughts? No, I um I think I'm just kind of taking it in. And this was the whole point, right? Mm-hmm. I just we just wanted to read it and not put too much on it and just kind of listen and see. And I find one of the ways that God speaks at least to me, it's just like dropping other Bible verses in my head while I'm reading certain Bible verses. It feels very ADHD. Like he's like, oh, 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 this other thing. <laughs> and and then I'm like hopping around. And it helps to have read the Bible as much as I've read it in my life so I can go find something just based on a, a Googling a snippet. But of that, that's the thing too is like we've lost that in so many ways where it's like, yeah, like the the people who would read this back then, who were familiar with the passage, would be like, "Oh, I get what that's referencing," and I think that's something we need to to do as well. But I, I agree. I think I think we've taken in a good amount of of things to think and pray about, and I think in those times of quiet contemplation, they'll make more sense. But I I, I do I cheat a little bit, and I like how sometimes my Bible has a little thing being like, "Hey, by the way, this is a reference to." <laughs> Zechariah or this reference to Daniel or whatever. It's helpful, but I think that's good to do. I think the jumping back and forth, I think we did a a few times tonight and it's hopefully helpful ways to you guys, helpful to us um, with, with uh, Zechariah with Romans and a few others, but I had a cross reference Bible, which instead of having notes, notes, it just had all of the cross references, but it looks like a jumbled mess though. Doesn't it? It not so that's bad. I think it's cool. Yeah. The sheer amount of flipping back and forth just to get through small amounts of verses. Um, one really broke up Bible reading. So sometimes it, w- it was like really fun, but it was also really sloggy at the same time. And then I really wore out my Bible really fast. 
So yeah. I only got through a couple bo- a couple books with the cross references before I had to get a new Bible, and I was like, ah, I'm gonna get a different one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I should get a new cross reference one though. That's fun. Yeah, no, that's good. Like I said, I think it's good to have multiple Bibles, different different ways to look at things. <laughs> so, bussin. <laughs> I don't even know. Bussin. Okay. Thanks. Hi, Tyler. Thanks, How's Tyler. Is bussin. Uh, let me see. Let me just check the other chats real quick. Um, the Observer 777 says, uh, talking about replacement theology, talking about the Dominion Now theology. Are you familiar with Dominion Now theology? I've heard the f- term before, but I can't off the top of my head. Is that, what that the is. one where the kingdom is now and I Jesus think it, is completely in control and there's no demon presence? Yeah, I've someone someone the other day said that to us on Twitter, or me or you, and I was like, eh, I don't know, I'm not buying that, bro. Uh, Dominion theology, also known as Dominionism, is a group of Christian political ideolo- ideologies that seek to institute a nation that is governed by Christian. Oh no, it's Christian nationalism to like the extreme. Mm. Hmm. Basically, it goes like it, what 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 the observer was talking about is, you know. Um, I think you're still right, but I, this here says a group of Christian political ideologies seek to institute a nation that is governed by Christians and based on the understanding that their, their understanding of biblical law, extent of rule and ways of acquiring governing authority are varied. So it's more like Nick Fuentes, ideas of governance. And maybe he believes that we are in the, the new dominion and all that stuff. I don't know. Um, also second Corinthians five ten, the timing of Bama seat or the judgment seat of Christ will only fit into a pre-trib view. I'll have to look into second Corinthians five ten. Um, my only pro I don't know. I'm not saying you're wrong. My only problem sometimes is I feel like from every side, I hear these like one verse solves it all things. Yeah. And for me, it's like, this is why we're reading Re- revelation all the way through and trying to make as many references to other parts of the Bible as possible. Cause I have a problem with like, sometimes I'll see that and it's like an, when a whole theology is based on taking single verses here and there and not in, in context. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it's wrong. I just don't trust it without like doing more in-depth research. Um, so each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad, this first to save people who get rewards, at the Bama seat, not for salvation. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, we're still trying to figure this out and learn. So I appreciate anything you guys send us. Um, it really, I really do. I truly do. Uh, I think that's it. We don't have a lot of stuff going on over in Odyssey right now. Um, I'll ask you. I don't know if I, I. You know what? Can I ask you guys to do me a favor? Who are watching right now? Just because I've got a friend who's having a rough night right now. Um, let me look this up really quick. Uh, Katie Zed's really trying to grow what she's doing over on Rumble. YouTube's giving her all kinds of crap. So I'm just going to drop this in chat really quick and just ask you guys pray for Katie. She's had a bad day um, and just take a second to please just go give her a follow. It takes no time at all, but it would just mean a lot to her. Um, it'll mean a lot to us. as We're trying to grow all that we're doing with Hawkhound and continue to bring you guys stuff like this. So that's just a little side note of something that would I'd, I'd appreciate just prayers and 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 that. Um, let me see. Just look, looking through chats. My grandparents are from a Russian Christian Greek Orthodox church. No prayers allowed. Only wailing. That would be interesting. 
No prayer. <laughs> Just <laughs> cry. Just cry. Mildly demonic, but okay. Christ loves your salty tears. <laughs> uh, did you have anything else you want to say? And then we'll we'll uh, come back. We're going to be back on Wednesday, and then hopefully, I can't promise you when we'll do the next one. But we want to continue this again really soon. So. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Have a good night, you guys. Thanks for being here. All right. Thank you, guys. God bless. And we will see you Wednesday at 7. I'm telling you, it's going to be crazy. So be there. 